unto me. Yes, thank you for that good singing, church, and Brother Jeff, that was fantastic. Good morning. My name's Danny Forshee. I'm pastor here at Great Hills, and I'm honored to be here with you today and to greet all of you who are online as well. As Trey mentioned, we're delighted to have you, and if you're on the Facebook or the YouTube, you can push the, uh, the like and the share button to let everybody know that you're worshiping the Lord uh, with us uh, here at 10,500 uh, Jollyville Road. As I was uh, praising the Lord with you, the graves into gardens, he's a good, good father, great is thy faithfulness, all these wonderful songs and lyrics. I was just thinking about the power of prayer and how it's so important for us as a congregation, not only to pray individually, when, and we do, I'm sure you prayed this morning in your quiet times with the Lord as, as I did as well, but also collectively to pray together uh, as a church. And so before I get into our message today, very excited, Acts chapter 11, if you want to go ahead and look at, take a peek at verse 19, we'll go through verse 30 in a moment. Our focus though is on verses 26 through 30. Many of you are maybe first time guests, uh, whether online or here in the sanctuary, we are studying the book of Acts, all 28 chapters, Church on the Move is the title. And uh, we at Great Hills, one of our core values, really core value number one, is to preach and teach the Word of God. So if you're looking for a Bible teaching, Bible preaching church, then you have found the right place because that is what uh, our focus is. It is our preeminent focus, is to preach God's Word, to point people to Jesus Christ, and to disciple them to the point where they are able to live an effective, successful, faithful Christian life in this crazy world in which we find ourselves. And so I don't know about you, but I've got uh, all kinds of things on my mind. I got pandemic on my mind. I got presidential election on my mind. I got all kinds of things on my mind. So I just wanna take these to the Lord. Is that okay with y'all? That if we just collectively in prayer, just reach out to the Lord. You can remain seated if you like. I'm just gonna, just gonna lead us in a prayer and thank the Lord for his sovereignty. Thank you, God, for being in control, for being our king. Thank you, Lord, that you sit enthroned above the heavens, that <laughs> there's nothing that rattles you, nothing that disturbs you. God, you're absolutely unequivocally in control, and we thank you for that, Lord, because we're not. There's so many things that, Lord, we can't control, we can't really do anything about, but Lord, we take our rest, take our confidence, and take our absolute joy in knowing that you are God. So we give you this pandemic and we pray, Lord, as we've been praying since March for a vaccine, for a cure to come quickly. Lord, we pray for our nation as we're coming upon this presidential election. We pray for peace. Lord, we pray for civility and we pray that people would exercise this amazing gift, Lord, to vote and vote their conscience. Lord, vote their values and pray for them. I pray also, Lord, for Families, Lord, families, uh, some in our church, even this week, have had family members who've had surgery. Others I prayed with earlier today are approaching surgery. Others, Lord, they're just things that are way beyond them. And Lord, they need, a, they need a fresh touch from you, oh God. I'm asking you to do that. I'm praying that you touch marriages today. Some need a, a fresh touch from you. Lord, some have grown stale and cold. And, and Lord, we just need you to reignite that fire and that passion for one another and for finances, Lord, we pray, for businesses, for uh, employment. God, there's so much that we just want to pray to you about. Lord, the corporate prayer, the power of the prayer. God, you said my house will be called not a house of preaching, but it would be called a house of praying. So we wanna be faithful, Lord, and pray unto you. And if you're listening online, I just want you to know, God bless you. We're praying for you today, that Almighty God would touch you and encourage you in this online community, wherever you may be in this United States of America or across the world, that God would come alongside of you and encourage you through this technology, that you would know you're not alone and that we're with you and we're praying all the blessings of heaven upon you. Lord, we love you. So excited about this message, God, about this exemplary church in Antioch 2,000 years ago that is so powerfully speaks to us today. So speak to us, Lord. We're listening. We're, we're ready, Lord. We're willing. We, we want to hear from you, God. And this is our prayer in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Now, don't be frightened by what I'm about to do next, okay? I don't let any bad images come into your mind what's about to happen 
Just bear with me because it's all part of a story, all right? So Juan, you take the sheath. I'm just gonna take this thing out. Okay, good, there we go. We got any wayward church members? Let me talk to you for just a minute. <laughs> got any gossip going on, any grumbling? No, this is a sword, this is my sword. And this was granted to me by a group of men that I had the privilege of discipling when I first got here uh, to Great Hills. And some of you are still uh, here in the church. Some of you have moved away. I was texting with one of, texting one of them this morning who lives in Louisiana. But this sword is, um, it's a visual, it's an example of something I wanna share with you today. There are three dimensions of the sword if you're in a battle, not including the handle. Now the handle, there's a whole nother sermon here about this fancy handle. But of a, of a blade, there's, um, there's a sharp blade on this side, and there is this side of the sword that actually is pretty blunt, could use it in a weapon if you needed to. Uh, and then there's also this part right here. Do you see it? The tip of the, of the blade. When I was teaching uh, at Southwestern Seminary, I would begin every class with the sword analogy. And those students would look at me like, I've lost my mind. What class have I enrolled? And so I, one day they asked me to speak at the faculty uh, retreat. So I brought this sword to the faculty at Southwestern Seminary. And they really looked at me strange until they heard me out. I call it the three O's, okay? There are three O's in every Christian's life, and I think they should be operative in every church's life. The first O is what I would call orthodoxy. Orthodoxy would represent this part of the blade here. Orthodoxy is what you believe. What you believe is incredibly important. For what you believe, you will eventually actuate in the way that you live your life and the words that you speak and the actions in which you engage in. And, and to give you just an example of how important it is to what you believe, just, and I cannot make this up, this is absolutely the truth. I was not here with you last week and I was in Tennessee preaching and I traveled. And whenever I travel, I always ask the Lord to give me opportunities to, sh to share the gospel with people, to encourage people. I call it airplane evangelism. I don't know what you call it, but they're not going anywhere. They're seated next to me with, with I don't carry this by the way, It'd get you in trouble. <laughs> Ashley, you know about that. Uh, <laughs> that's a whole other story I could tell you sometime. But anyhow, I had my mask on and um, I got to share, no joke, with people who very much disagree with me in my particular belief system, okay? And before I tell you what each person believed, I just want you to know that it was absolutely civil, it was cordial, and there was maybe a little bit of debate, but it absolutely, I think it represents what can happen in America. Just because, and here they were, the first one was an agnostic, and I shared with him. The second person I shared with has a lifestyle of homosexuality that I disagree with, but they are a proponent of it, and we had the best conversation it was amazing. I mean, the conversation God gave us with mutual respect and love, and, and he, I shared with him exactly what I believed. He shared with me what he believed. The next one, agnostic, homosexual, and atheist. Now, this atheist, he really didn't want to talk a whole lot, but I still talked a little bit with him as a medical doctor. And the last person I got to share with was a new age coach, a spiritual new age coach who told me that God is within uh, everybody. And so it was really important that I know what I believe. And it's important that you know what you believe because God could allow you to engage with, watch this, with people who see things differently than you see them. And so that's so important. Orthodoxy is important. This side of the blade refers to orthopraxy. Now, orthopraxy, praxy is a fancy Latin word from the Greek, which actually means practice, to do. And if this was a theological education, I would tell you orthodoxy has to do with systematic theology, has to do with philosophy, it has to do with Greek and Hebrew and all those kind of things they teach you in school. But orthopraxy has to do with how do you put it into practice? How do you preach? How do you teach? How do you do missions? How do you do evangelism? And that's really important. But if you're in a fight, I wanna tell you something. The most important thing would be what? The tip of the sword, all right? And uh, this has to do with ontology. And I know that's a fancy word and I wanna explain it. It has to do with your ethics, your essence of who you are. Are you with me? All three of these are really important for the Christian life and for the church. 
But the most important aspect in doing spiritual battle, it's not so much what you know, it's not so how gifted you are to communicate it, it's who you are as a person. Your ethics, your morality, your belief system, which is commensurate with the way that you live your life. I think in this day and age, uh, Juan, if you'll come take this uh, sword from me, please be careful, don't trip. You've got it, thank you. I think in this day and age in which we live, I'm, I'm convinced that what we need in America is we need the church of God to believe very strongly in what we believe, but watch this, but to be able to communicate it with grace and love and peace. Is that okay? Is that fair enough? You know, there's a couple of, there's a, a race in Utah, and I can't remember if it's the Senate race or it's the governor race, I can't remember, but the two candidates have gone on record publicly sharing with each other that, hey, you and I, you're a Republican, I'm a Democrat, and I disagree with you, and here's the reasons why I disagree with you, and the other person says, yes, I understand that, here's the reasons why I disagree with you, but you know what, I really like you. Isn't that cool? That we can still disagree and yet be agreeable in our disagreement. Think of the three O's, and I want to, I want to show you a beautiful example of all three. The church in Antioch, they had orthodoxy in spades. They had the Apostle Paul and Barnabas as their Bible teachers for 12 months. Can you imagine? Who's preaching today? Well, Paul's going to preach. Do you think he preached a 30-minute little quick sermon? I don't think so. He probably kept them for a few hours and they probably didn't complain because, by the way, you had the Apostle Paul, you had Barnabas, orthodoxy. Orthopraxy, look at this. The Bible says that the people at Antioch were so much like Jesus that they were called little Christ. They were called Christians because of their ontology, because of their ethics and their essence and who they were. Now watch this. Their orthopraxy, they took all of this knowledge and they took all of this essence and they literally changed their world. They lived a kind of life, a caliber of life that was fundamentally different from the people around them in that they loved each other, they got along with each other, and they gave of their substance, they gave of their finances to meet the needs of people who were worse off than they. So the text today is such a beautiful text. I'm gonna read all of it, but I'm only gonna focus on the, the final verses, 25 through, 20, uh, uh, through 29 and 30. Here we go. Now, those who were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, and they preached the word to no one but the Jews only. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about this. Let me kind of bring you back up to speed where we are. Now, some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who, when they had come to Antioch, they spoke to the Hellenist. Now, when you see the word Hellenist, you can translate that Greek-speaking Jews, but in this context, even better translation would be Gentiles, okay? You gotta remember, the church started with Jews, and it is a Jewish congregation, especially in Acts chapter two, the 120, and then it begins to grow and expand, and what's coming is the first, watch this, Jew-Gentile congregation. Oh my word. It would be a miracle of God if Jews and Gentiles got under the same roof and didn't kill each other, but actually worshiped God together. And I'm telling you, they did it. It was a miracle. It was such a miracle that when Barnabas came, he said he called it the grace of God. I'll show it to you. Okay, when they came to Antioch, they spoke to the Hellenists and they preached the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Then news of these things came to the ears of the church in, in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas, the son of encouragement. Look, whenever you see this guy, can we just emulate this man for just a minute or maybe for a few moments in our life? Whenever you see Barnabas in the Bible, just think of the word encouragement. Barnabas was always encouraging affirming. Look, when I, when I bump into somebody and I disagree with, I mean, people come to me sometimes and they witness to me. They want to share their brand of the gospel, whether it's Jehovah Witnesses or Mormons. I say, look, I want to commend you. And they're like, what? Nobody commends us. People don't even like us. Why are you commending me? I said, because you believe what you believe so much. 
you're willing to tell me. And I just want you to know I have incredible respect for that. Carry on. And it disarms people. They're like, really? You mean you can disagree with me and do it in an agreeable, civil fashion? Yes. So the news came to Jerusalem. They sent Barnabas to, as far as Antioch. And when he came, Great Hills Baptist Church, watch this. And he saw the grace of God. Now think about that for just a minute. How do you see the unseeable? How do you touch the intangible? How do you see the grace of God? Look, the grace of God is on display when people who are very different get along. That is grace. That is mercy. And if anybody in this world who can have that capability and ability, should it not be the church of the living God? Should, should we not be able to be a people who say, yes, I disagree with you. Here's the reasons why, but I love you as a human being created in the image of God. He came and saw the grace of God and Barnabas was glad and he encouraged them. That's what he does. He encouraged them all with purpose of heart that they should continue with the Lord for he was a good man, mm -mm. full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And here it comes again. Watch this, Great Hills. And a great many people were added to the Lord. Then Barnabas, and here we go. We're going to pick up. This is where we, really, we left off two weeks ago. Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus, and that was his hometown, by the way, of Saul's hometown, to seek Saul. And the word seek there, it's a really interesting Greek word. It means to seek when what you're searching for is incredibly difficult to find. So it wasn't just a, hey, let's just head out west to go find uh, Paul in Tarsus. No, it, it was gonna take some effort. It was gonna take some money. It was gonna take some time. And Barnabas was like, man, God is moving in this place and we need help. We need a Bible teacher to come and pastor the first Baptist church of Antioch. Okay, here we go. And when he had found him, now we read that really quick, but man, that took some time and effort. And Barnabas said, Saul, we need you at Antioch. So it was that for a whole year, how long church? How many months is that? How many days is that? That's a lot of time. I wonder how often they met. They probably met more than just on Sunday and they met for a whole year and they assembled with the church and taught for the third time. Are y'all catching this? A great many people. And the disciples were first called little Christs in derision, by the way, in mockery, made fun of them, but they were first called Christians in Antioch. And in these days, prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them was named Agabus. He stood up and he showed by the Holy Spirit. Now that's kind of different, right? He said, I'm a prophet from Jerusalem and I got a message for the church here in Antioch that the Spirit, by the Spirit, there was going to be a great famine throughout all the world, which also happened in the days of Claudius Caesar, the, the Roman emperor. Then the disciples, each according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea. This they did. And then after they took up their monetary collection, if you will, they gave it to the elders who gave it to the hands of Barnabas and Saul. And Barnabas and Saul, they went and helped out the church that was in great need. So we've already looked at the genesis of the church, how the church started in persecution. Now remember, when Stephen was persecuted in Acts chapter seven and eight, I'll tell you the church was, um, the, the, the people of God were scattered. You know, oftentimes we look at persecution and hardship and difficulty as something that should be avoided like the plague. But sometimes, many times, God does his most awesome work when we are at our lowest. Or when we think everything's devastating, everything is troubling and problematic and difficult, and yet God says, watch this. Maybe God would tell you today, I specialize in the difficult. <laughs> I do my best work when you are at your very lowest, at the bottom. And so this church began in persecution. What happened is the believers gathered in Jerusalem over Stephen, 
after he was murdered, after he was martyred, they just went out. And I'll tell you, they went out everywhere, preaching the gospel, telling people about the forgiveness of sin that God has granted through his son. And it grew. Oh my, did it grow. The church was expanding in, now I got, I think I put the map. Is the map back up there again? Look at the map just real quickly. It's, I'm going to allude to uh, the map. Y'all see the map? I'll see a gray-headed man. There he is. All right, there's a, in Jerusalem in the far right-hand corner, that's where the church gathered, and then they were scattered as far as go 300 miles due north, and that's Antioch, right? Y'all see Antioch up there? Everybody good? That's Antioch. That's the church that I'm talking about, that I'm preaching, an exemplary, model, radiant, amazing, glorious church. And they had great leadership. They had great teaching. They had great love for one another and they served one another. They took up offerings for people. It's an amazing church. And the people from far the West in Cyrene, so it says Cyrenica, that's North Africa, people from Cyrene. And then come on over to Cyprus, the little island in the Mediterranean Sea. The people from those two places had come to Jerusalem and they had met Christ and then they were persecuted and scattered and they made their way up to Antioch and they evangelized. And the gospel began to spread and people come to faith in Jesus. And this church just, I tell you, is just amazing how it grew and how people were being reached with the good news of the gospel. Verse 25, Barnabas, he goes and he finds his friend Saul. Anazateo is that word. And it means to look with the prospect of difficulty. And he didn't give up. He found him. In fact, Saul, according to Galatians at this time, was already evangelizing the Gentiles. So Saul was preaching and teaching in his hometown. Can you imagine the ostracism? Can you imagine the persecution? Saul, this rabbi, I mean, uh, this Pharisee of Pharisees, he is radically changed by the grace gospel of Jesus Christ. And now he's preaching it and people are hating him for it. And yet God is blessing him. And, and, and Barnabas comes to him and says, Saul, you're doing such a great job, but we need you in Antioch. Now, here's a message I, I want to share because I know many pastors listen in to Great Hills Baptist Church. And I'm grateful to God that we have the opportunity to teach, to encourage, to minister uh, to pastors, not just here in the U.S., but thank you, Lord, for the opportunities God has given me in South Asia to teach and to lecture and to speak to pastors. Here's a word I have for our pastors, for our missionaries, for these faithful men and women of God. Look, be faithful wherever God places you, and when it's time for God to move you, he will move you. He sees you, he loves you, and you're faithfully executing your duties as a missionary, as a pastor in the service, in the field that God has you. Now watch this. God will move heaven and earth to get you where he wants you as long as you're being faithful to serve him. That's just, that's just free for you pastors out there or you pastors in here, that God's in control. He found Saul. Saul was faithfully preaching the gospel in Tarsus. And now he makes his way over to, to Antioch. Verse 26, Barnabas is so encouraging. He's generous. He's courageous. He is didasco. He is teaching. You see it in verse 26, church? I'm in Acts chapter 11. I'm in verse 26. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they assembled with the church and didascoed them. Interesting. This is the same word that Jesus used in Matthew 28, when he said, go and make disciples and watch this and teach them. You probably have heard the English word didactic or he is a didactic professor. He's a didactic teacher. It simply just means they teach, they instruct. Now, here's what's going on. This church is exploding and they need to grow. They need to be grounded in their relationship. The agnostic that I talked to says, look, man, I accepted Christ when I was 15, I got baptized, and I'm never going back to church. I don't even believe there probably is a God anymore. I've done with that, I'm through with that. And I walked away thinking, who discipled him? Who, who took him and, and really talked to him and shared with him as a teenager? He's an electrical engineer today. 
His brother is an aeronautical engineer. His dad was an Air Force One pilot. And I was sitting right next to him. I said, excuse me? He said, yeah, my dad flew President Lyndon B. Johnson all around in his presidential. And I thought, well, that is just absolutely amazing. And my heart just went out to this man. How many people today in the church, brilliant young men and women of God, and they're interested in Christ, and yet when they come to church, all they get is a lot of fluff and candy, cotton candy and sugary sweet and that kind of stuff. I'm telling you what we need to give you is the Word of God. We need to give you the scriptures of God. We need to instruct you, we need to teach you, we need to ground you so that when the time comes, and let me tell you something brothers, it's a coming. It's a coming, it's coming for us all that we are gonna to have to stand up and we're gonna to have to be counted and we're gonna to have to know our orthodoxy. We're gonna to have to know what we believe, but how can you know what you believe if all I do up here week after week, Sunday after Sunday is entertain you and tickle your ears with what you want to hear? Can't do that. Look, when I go before God, that day's coming. I will stand before God and you will not be there with me. And on that judgment day, that Bema judgment seat day, I wouldn't be surprised if all of God said, what did you teach them? And I'm just gonna say, Lord, I gave them this. It's all I had and it's all they needed. And this is the answer. Now it doesn't mean I have to be boring, doesn't mean I have to put you to sleep, though a few of you have lost, left me over here, but come on back, bring back the brothers and sisters. But to teach you, you say, that's what we need in our Bible Life Connect groups, in our small group, in our discipleship groups, and in our public worship. So anyhow, same word that, that Jesus used, we see Barnabas and Saul teaching. F.F. Bruce, one of my favorite theologians says, yes, once a convert came to faith in Christ in Antioch, here's what happens. A systematic instruction in the principles of the new way on which they had entered. Verse 26, uh, they're first called Christians. Again, it's jest, it's derision. Um, but the reason they're called Christians is because, watch this, their lives so look like the life of their leader. You know, Mahama Gandhi said, he, he entered into a church, it was a Christian church, and the elders of the church saw the color of his skin and they said, you're really not welcome here. I mean, we don't look like you. We don't believe like you. So you don't need to come to our church. And Gandhi left that day and said, I was so interested in your New Testament. I was so interested in your Jesus. And Jesus, I'm still very interested in. It's just you Christians I do not like. And he turned away. Turned away from Christianity. And of course embraced Hinduism, became a great uh, spiritual leader of Hinduism. Oh. May that never be said of us. And somebody looks different than you. Somebody believes way different than you and they come through those doors. What do you say? I really hope you say, come on in, come in. We love God, we love people, but yeah, I disagree with you and, and what you stand for. Hey, we still love you, come in and let us love on you and share the gospel. If we can't do that church, let's close the doors. Because if we're anything, we're followers of Jesus who love people, even people far from God or even people who look and act differently than we do. Man, time just really goes fast. Um, okay, I'm gonna skip that part. I'm just talking to myself, I do this. Like Claire, she just talks to herself all the time, my grandbaby, she gets it from her granddad. So I'm talking to myself out loud. Got this great quote from Josephus, the Antiquities. It's the first secular rendering of Christianity outside the Bible. And what he describes are little Christ. He said, these people are a lot like their follower, Jesus. 
Alexander the Great, I don't know why I'm being reintroduced to him recently. I've been studying his life, the, uh, the king of Macedonia, the king of Greece, born in 356 BC, conquered the world when he was 23 years of age and wept was heartbroken, crestfallen because he had no more countries to conquer. Had a soldier come up to him whose name was Alexander. And they said, um, this man, he bears the name of our emperor, he bears the name of our king, and yet on the field of battle, he turned and he ran and he exhibited cowardice. And so his leaders, they got this young man and they said, we're taking you to the king, and they did. And Kent Hughes tells the story in his book on the, on the book of Acts. And he said, they brought this young man and Alexander the Great said, is your name Alexander? And the young man said, that is my name. My parents named me after you. And Alexander the Great says, okay, let me tell you something. Change your conduct or change your name. Change your conduct or change your name. I'm telling you, the people in Antioch, they didn't have to hear Jesus tell them that because they were already there. Their conduct was commensurate with their belief. Their character, their conduct, their essence, their ethics, look, they actuated it. They actually lived it out, what they believed to be true about God. Would it not be awesome if we did the same thing here at Great Hills Baptist Church. You say, well, I'm a member at, at Great Hills Baptist Church and I'm the meanest snake in the, I'm a viper in the neighborhood. I just bite and mad and angry and, but I go to Great Hills Baptist. Please don't tell them you come here. Tell them you go to somewhere else. Don't tell them, or change your character or change your church membership. Look, we're, we're interested in developing an army of people. And here's another Alexander, uh, um, Alexander the Great quote, and I jotted it down because I want to make sure I get it right. He said, I fear an army of sheep led by a lion over an army of lions led by a sheep. Mm. He also, I'll give you another Alexanderism. Here we go. Remember upon the conduct of each depends the fate of us all. Very powerful. So the last thing I want to share with y'all today, and it's something that I just, just absolutely love. I love preaching on texts like 27 through 30. I call it the generosity principle. In verses 27 through 30, we've seen the genesis of the church at Antioch, the growth of the church, numerical growth, spiritual growth, wonderful church, exemplary church. But now here in verse 27, the church at Antioch hear a bad report. The bad report comes from a man by the name of Agabus, who is a prophet. And he's a guest preacher. And isn't that interesting that uh, it's good to have guest preachers. I, I know we have guest preachers here at Great Hills, and I love that. You get to hear people who, are, who look different, who sound different, who, uh, like, like Dr. Harris last week, Mark Harris, wonderful man of God, wonderful preacher of the gospel. And so they brought in Agabus at the First Baptist Church in Antioch. And he stood up and he said, people, the Holy Spirit has revealed to me. Now that scares the heebie out of a bunch of us. Like, whoa, 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 what, what is this? And yet anybody can say that, but if it actually happens, the Bible says they're a true prophet of God. And so he gets up and he says, I have been shown by the spirit that a great famine is coming to the mother church or to the mother city of Jerusalem. AD 41 to 54, Claudius, he mentions him. Claudius was the emperor of Rome from AD 41 to 54. Josephus says in AD 46, in Antiquities Book 20, AD 46, a massive famine came to Jerusalem. Isn't that cool? I love when science and history just come right along and say, yep, that's right. That's exactly what Agabus had prophesied that a famine was coming on the land. And so what they did was they got together and they took up an offering. And they said, we, we wanna give, we wanna, we wanna help, we wanna support. And each person, did you see this? It was not equal gifts, but equal sacrifice. Each person gave according to their ability to give and they met the need. And I just love it. Look, 
you can give without loving, but you can, you can never love without giving. Giving your time, your effort, your energy, your finances. And that, I think that's one of the reasons why they were so distinguished by the name Little Christ because just like Jesus gave everything, he helped, he loved, he supported, he ministered. The church at Antioch was at her best when she was giving, when she heard about a need and she was reaching out to others. So Liberty University, I know it's fallen on some tough times here recently. I don't know if y'all have seen in the news and it's heartbreaking to me when I'm, I know Hannah and our daughter attended Liberty for a time and I love Liberty University. I love their founder. He was a friend of mine. I know I'm old. These gray hairs are here for a reason. And I met with him, preached for him. And I, I love Jerry Falwell. That, would, that was his name. A brilliant man, a gifted man. Went to Duke University and they thought they were just going to eat him alive in a debate. And he, he had the students at Duke eating out of his hand. He was just gracious and generous. And yet his I know what's happened at Liberty University and I know what happened to their president and I know they're looking for a new president. But do y'all know he has two other children? He has a brilliant surgeon daughter and he has a son named Jonathan. And Jonathan is the pastor at Thomas Road Baptist Church. Anybody ever heard of Thomas Road Baptist Church? When he went there, they, they were a big church running about 4,000. Not long after that, they run now about 8,000. Charles Billingsley is their worship pastor. I was texting Jonathan last night, and I'll tell you why I was. And I've been texting him more here lately because of what has been happening at Liberty University. If it was my brother, and if those things were happening in my family, I would love for somebody to reach out to me. Are you with me? Mark Harris resigned his church. It was a difficult time for him. The first church that he preached at was Great Hills Baptist Church last Sunday. My friend Frank Harbor, who had a, a difficult time in, in life and in ministry, the first church that invited him back as he's coming back into his own was Great Hills Baptist Church. And I do that for a reason, because I want people to know, look, there's grace and there's forgiveness and we believe God forgives you. Why can't we forgive you? Why can't we encourage you? Why don't you come here and, and preach at our church. So Liberty University beat Humphrey Southern Miss. They're six and oh. I just think that's really cool. You're welcome. I just want to share that with you. A few years ago, when one of the hurricanes hit uh, South Texas, it's Hurricane Ike, some of you remember this. And Jonathan was the pastor, and he's, he's still the pastor, and he's still doing crazy things like this. He found out about it. He said, church, let's take up an offering for Pastor Gibson, and the name of his church is the San Leon Community Church in South Texas. They took up $60,000 in one offering. And they sent the money and they sent a busload of people. Watch this, I don't know if y'all have ever been to Lynchburg, Virginia. It's the most difficult place in the world to get to. You gotta go through the hills, the valleys, the grandmama's house you go, it's not an easy place to get to. And they drove their bus all the way down to South Texas, met with Pastor uh, Bob Gibson. Their church was destroyed. San Leon Community Church went from four to 35 under Pastor Bob's leadership. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? You say, what? I guess if you look at it like, yeah, yeah. Four people to 35 people. They helped their community to the tune of $2 million. Here's what they did. Their church was flooded. They had $118 in the bank at the time. And, and yet through the generosity of people, they, they gave it to the church and the church spread the wealth to the tune of $2 million. But their church now is in shambles. I know it's kind of dated, but y'all remember that show where they would come in? Um, oh, Stacy, I bet you remember that show where they come in and they redo the house or they build them a new house and they say, move that bus. Yeah. What's the name of that show? Dream us a home makeover. Yeah, y'all said that. Yeah, that, that show. So Pastor Jonathan said, why don't we do that? Why don't we go down there? Don't tell the pastor. Don't let him and his wife, just keep them from the church for a week. Just keep them busy. Don't let them come to the church. And in a week's time, they went in and they totally rebuilt the church. And when they said, move that bus, the pastor saw his little church. 
him and his wife, they just started weeping and it was a, it was a beautiful thing. And Pastor Jonathan went to the dedication service and this is what he prayed. He said, dear God, we pray that this place where your name is lifted up and may souls be saved because you have raised up this church, God, to be a lighthouse in this community. You know, is it okay to brag on your church? I guess it is. Great Hills, you, you, you amaze me. I've seen you be so generous in difficult days. In our poverty, we planted Cornerstone Community Church, which is amazing. Do y'all know Brother Stu and them, they have found them a place. They're gonna be moving into a place. Before they moved in their place, Stu met with me a few months ago and gave me a check for $13,000. And I bought me a new car, it was amazing. I appreciate, I appreciated that, it's awesome. Look, you gotta be able to laugh, people. It's all good, all right? He gave it to Great Hills Baptist Church. How many church plants running a hundred is giving? And they said, no, we want you to have this because we've been so blessed. We want to bless Great Hills. What a, what a joy to be known as a generous church, to be able to give to people in their need. And I could share a lot of stories with you where here lately, We've been helping people. We've been ministering to people, helping and people. Say, big church, what do, they, what do they do? And I get this sometimes. People slam me. They don't know me, but they go on social media and they just, they just go after me. And I just go into the little private section and say, well, here's what we're doing. What are you doing? You know? I take the what are you doing out. I just say, here's what, here's what we're doing, okay? <laughs> oh, I want to put the what are you doing? Oh, y'all you know what I'm saying? Just want to put it in there. And God says, don't put it in there. Just leave it. Hannah, where are you, Hannah? You know this is the truth. You've heard, you've seen this. Um, okay, so in four weeks from today, we are going to have our harvest offering. And um, those of you at Great Hills, y'all been here with me for 10 years. Many of you have been here many, many more years than that. And we've had struggles. Man, we've struggled, struggled financially. But God has blessed us. It's amazing when you don't have to pay $57,000 a month for your house payment. It's amazing how God is blessing Great Hills. And here, here's what I want us to do. I want us to have a great harvest offering. I want us to come and bring our offerings like we always do. It's my favorite, one of my favorite Sundays, second only to the Mission Sunday in December. And we'll social distance, um, Patrick, you know, you and I will bring our offering, but you can't come up and just hug me, all right? Okay, you can't do that. And, uh, well, you can if you want to. We'll just do the side hug thing. But we're gonna just put our offerings here, and here's what I'm hoping is gonna happen. I would love for Great Hills to finish 2020 in the black. I think that would be amazing. Folks, that just don't happen at Great Hills. I mean, we, we have struggled financially, especially with the debt, but the debt is gone, and Terry and I, we talk about this a lot. With the strong end of year giving and harvest day offering, we will actually finish. I'm believing God for this, that we will finish in the black. Y'all know what in the black means? That means you brought in more money than you spent. Okay, that's a good thing, all right? The next thing I wanna do is position us, get us ready for 2021. Because 2021, and y'all have heard me talk about this, it's gonna cost us some money but I believe God has put it on my heart. I believe this is of the Lord that we wanna start planting another church, which will plant another church. And we're gonna to continue to plant churches till Jesus comes. And then we'll just do something. We'll just do something. Let's just bless somebody. With the excess, with the, with the favor of God upon us on harvest offering, let's just, let's just bless another church, a missionary or somebody. And when I say bless them, I mean really bless them. Are y'all okay with that? Are y'all all right with that? I think that would be absolutely cool. So let's do it. Yeah. Ah, the church at Antioch. Love this church. They gave, they sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. Well, y'all, there's so much in here that's amazing. They gave and they trusted the people that they gave it to to spend it the way they should spend it. You know what I'm saying? If you can't trust the leadership, 
with the money that you give and you need to get some other leadership, right? But they did, they trusted them. They said, look, you take this to the church there in Jerusalem and they did and they met the need. Here's what's pretty cool about this church. Oh, I like this. I didn't see this till, it may have been really early this morning. I work on the sermon all week and then God just, he dumps stuff on me and I get to dump it on you on Sunday morning. That's why we go over 12. And God showed me this this morning. He's like, do you see it? They gave the money before the famine. <laughs> the prophet said, the famine's coming. They're like, okay, here's the money. And then when the famine came, they had already provided the money to meet. Then, isn't that cool? So I'm hoping we'll do something like that in a few weeks. Finish 2020 really strong and then just go bless people. Just go help somebody that is in a great, great need. Does God tell you anything today? Did God say anything to you today in his word about the church at Antioch? What did he, what did he tell you? I'm just curious, Spirit of God spoke to you today and you said, well, Brother Danny, it was the part about there. And you said that, and the Lord impressed me. And this is what I got out of it. He says, this is the time we talk back. This is unusual. We don't talk back in worship service. Well, we do today. What did you, Fred Erickson, what did you, what'd you learn today? Anything from the message? It's God's faithfulness. Amen. All right. What's that? Daniel Van Cleve, who practices what he preaches, be an encourager like, like Barnabas. Bruners, how about y'all? Bruners sitting there, love this family. What, what do you think? Any, God show you anything? Serve awesome God. Amen. Serve an awesome God. Somebody said something here. Tell them what you believe. Tell them what you believe and be mean about it and get in a fist fight about it. That's what Andy Spencer said <laughs> on TV. Andy Spencer, no, not at all. And if y'all know Andy, you know he lives that, practices that. One of the nicest souls you'll ever meet, most generous, one of the most generous people I've ever met, and he'll witness to anybody. And if the witness encounter gets difficult, he turns it over to me. It's amazing how he does that. It's, it's really fun. Anybody over here, Jeff, want anything? Holy Spirit moment, speak to you. I got to be more giving. Ooh, I like that. God loves people more than anything. I like that. Anybody over here? This is your chance. You get to talk out loud in church. Any, anybody have a word to say? Be generous. Be generous. Stacy. how about the maids? What, what do y'all think? Any, anything, Tony? Anything, Donna? Change your conduct or change your name. Ooh. Change your conduct or change your, change your name. Anybody? The tip of the spear, all right? The tip of the sword. On, ontology. I almost called it oncology. That would not be good. It's, it's cancer. Ontology. I'm sorry. Yes, sir, over here? I can't hear it. Took them a year. That's good. A year of teaching, instruction in the Word. Discipleship and truth. That's good, Beatrice. I, I, like, I like that. Yeah, whoa, I like, man, you need to come up here and preach with a voice like that, good night. Respect and love others. But I thought this book was just a dated, old, dusty, antiquated book, didn't speak to people today. Y'all are convincing me otherwise. I tell you, this, this is an amazing book with amazing truth. Anybody else? All right, Amen. I think she said we have a, I think she said we have a God-fearing, God-loving minister. If you didn't, I'm adding that to your, what you said. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Thank you, Stacy. Praise God. Yes. Undeserved blessings. Undeserved blessings. Mm, God's grace. Oh, that's good. You heard me talking to the pastor people. Be faithful where God puts you and God will move you when it's time for him to move you. Ooh, preach, sister. I don't know who said that. That was good. That came from the dark recesses of the sanctuary. 
It was a voice. So I love it. Amen. God gives second chances and we should too. Ooh, conduits. That's a big word. Conduitology, the study of being a conduit, letting the blessings flow through us uh, to, to other people. I, I, you know, I tell you, we've helped hundreds of people with thousands and thousands of dollars in this COVID-19. I don't know if y'all knew that or not. And a lot of the people we helped were people in this room with rent, with food, with bills. But that's what we should do, right? As a church, to bless others, help, help one another. I'm, I'm hoping that, the, I know it's 10 after, we're almost, we're almost done. And the Cowboys are really gonna lose, even to the Redskins. So it doesn't matter, you know, I'm bless them, bless them, you know. I'm just, I'm just really, I'm kind of excited about um, November 22nd. Um, we sold our house. And so we're going to get to give, we're going to get to give a lot. It's a lot to us. And I'm so excited about that. I'm so excited. I get to give a big gift to the church that I love because I trust the pastor will do the right thing with it. I trust the leadership will do the right, the right thing with it. That's so cool. One more, one more. Any, any final word before we, before we go? What? That sounded like Ross Hartsfield, did it? <laughs> Be willing to do what God wants you to do. Somebody over here, I heard. Yes, Amy. Oh, did she say filled with the Holy Spirit, people see the grace of God when they come here? Oh, man, that's good. Father, we thank you so much for your word. It's so rich, it's so true, and we're a bunch of imperfect people, God, and we... We're all flawed. We all need help. <laughs> I know I do, Lord. I, I need grace and mercy every single day. But I thank you, Lord. Thank you for the kindness, the generosity, the patience of Great Hills. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness to us, faithfulness to us through the years, lean years, uh, years of scrawny blades of wheat, and now I thank you, Lord, for generous days. And I pray, Lord, we would be good stewards and faithful to finish this year very strongly, position us for next year, and also, Lord, as we go, help people and bless and be generous. Maybe you're here today and your head's bowed and your eyes are closed and maybe you're watching online and, and you're like, that's what I'm missing. I'm, I'm missing genuine, authentic transparent Christianity. And religion has left you dry and it's left you wanting more and we just invite you to receive the Spirit of God today. Let the Holy Spirit of God come in you when you confess your faith in Jesus Christ and watch what he does. Watch him change you, watch him bless you, watch him make you generous. It's, it's a beautiful thing to see people of faith grow in their walk with God and, and it's manifested, that orthopraxy is manifested in the way you live, the way you give, the way you serve. So Lord, we pray now for our song, our invitation. I just pray that it's, a, it's just a sweet time, God, where we just nail down some of the things you've taught us today and then bless Trey as he comes back and, and we go, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's stand, we'll sing just for a little bit and then we'll go.